Good morning, and thank you for joining us on 5 at 8. It's Monday, January 1st, 2024, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we will talk about the U.S. Navy destroying Houthi boats in the Red Sea, the increase in domestic energy prices in England, Wales, and Scotland, the new climate era marked by relentless heat and extreme temperatures, Taiwan considering joining the International Criminal Court to deter a potential invasion by China, and Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr.'s concerns about the role of artificial intelligence in the legal system. Story number one. According to the BBC, the U.S. Navy destroyed Houthi boats in the Red Sea after they attempted to board a container ship. Four boats from Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen fired upon the Maersk Hangzhou and got within meters of the ship. U.S. warship helicopters responded to a distress call and sank three of the boats in self-defense, killing the crews. The fourth boat fled the area. Houthi forces have been attacking ships in the Red Sea since November, targeting vessels passing through the shipping lane. The attack on the Maersk Hangzhou was the second in 24 hours. The ship is registered to Singapore and operated by a Danish firm. Maersk has paused sailings through the Red Sea for 48 hours. The rise in Houthi attacks has led many shipping firms to divert their vessels away from the Red Sea. The attacks could impact global trade and raise prices, as the Red Sea is an important route for oil and liquefied natural gas shipments. Who would have thought we'd see the day, huh? The U.S. Navy engaged in a maritime conflict in the Red Sea. It's a tricky situation, don't get me wrong. But I think the Navy did what had to be done. They were responding to a distress call from a civilian ship and they were under fire. It's self-defense, plain and simple. Well, Mark, not so fast. It is indeed a complex situation and it's important to consider all the angles before jumping to any conclusion. For one, international waters are a shared responsibility and the use of force should always be the last resort. Plus, the Houthis claim that the vessel ignored warning calls. It's a murky situation at best. Sure, Linda, I get where you're coming from, but at the end of the day, the safety of civilian ships can't be compromised. These waterways are vital trade routes and they need to be secure. It's not just about the U.S. Navy. It's about ensuring the international community that these trade routes are protected. I hear you, Mark. And no one is disputing the importance of protecting international trade routes. But the question is, at what cost? We have to bear in mind that we're dealing with a conflict zone. The use of force can intensify the conflict and put more lives at risk. Not to mention, it could potentially escalate into a larger geopolitical issue. But Linda, we can't just sit back and let these attacks continue either, right? I mean, this isn't the first time that Houthi rebels have attacked ships. There needs to be a strong deterrent, and sometimes, force is the only language understood. Mark, I'm not suggesting inaction. I'm emphasizing on the need for a balanced and measured response, one that prioritizes diplomacy and peaceful resolution over the use of force. Remember... Every action has a reaction, and in a volatile region like this, we need to tread carefully. Story number two. According to the BBC, the cost of domestic energy in England, Wales, and Scotland has increased by 5%, putting pressure on household budgets. The higher price cap set by regulator Ofgem means that gas and electricity costs will be 5% higher than the previous three months. This will result in an annual bill increase of pound 94 for a household using a typical amount of gas and electricity. However, forecasts suggest that energy prices may decrease significantly in the spring. The government is providing financial assistance to support households through cost of living payments. 
Debt charities expect an increase in demand for their services in January, as many struggle to pay essential bills after Christmas spending. Ofgem has proposed adding £16 to a typical household bill between April and March 2025 to help suppliers offer prepayment plans and write off debts. Fuel Poverty Charity National Energy Action is calling for a help-to-repay scheme, a discounted social tariff for those on benefits, and a home energy efficiency program. The latest energy price rise will affect approximately 29 million households, with those on prepayment meters facing particular pressure. The government is offering support through the warm home discount and cost-of-living payments for those on means-tested benefits. Forecasts suggest a sharp fall in energy prices in April, but this remains a forecast and may be subject to international events. Has anyone really thought about this from the perspective of the free market? Yes, energy prices are on the rise. But isn't this just the natural ebb and flow of supply and demand? It's not ideal for consumers, I get it. And it's definitely adding a strain on household budgets. However, if energy prices fall in the spring as predicted, then this could just be a temporary hitch. Mark, while I do understand your point about market dynamics, this isn't just a black and white issue. We can't overlook the fact that these price hikes are happening in the middle of winter, the coldest and the darkest time of the year, the time when energy consumption is at its peak. This is causing a serious strain on families, particularly those on prepayment meters who are already vulnerable, and let's not forget about the rising cost of other essential bills and general cost of living. Yeah, I get where you're coming from, Linda. It's tough, no doubt about it. But isn't that where the government's financial assistance comes in? They've got measures in place like cost of living payments and the warm home discount to help ease the burden. Plus, the off-GM proposal to add pound 16 to household bills to help manage energy debts could be a game-changer. It's not a perfect solution, but it's something. Sure, those measures provide some relief, Mark, but they're not nearly enough to cover the sharp increase in energy costs. The government-funded support that provided a pound 400 discount last winter hasn't been repeated this time. The impact on families is not just financial, it's emotional as well. The case of Winnie Baffo and the families she helps highlights the devastating effects of this crisis. People are having to rely on charities for essential needs, and that's just not sustainable. Agreed, it's not ideal. But we also need to look at the bigger picture. The energy sector is complex, influenced by a range of factors from wholesale prices to geopolitical events. Forecasts suggest a sharp fall in energy prices come April. So, this could be a short-term pain for a long-term gain situation. Mark, those forecasts are not guarantees. And the issue is not just about short-term or long-term, it's about the immediacy of the crisis. People are suffering now. They can't wait for the spring or for any long-term solutions. Plus, these price hikes are symptomatic of a larger issue. The need for a more sustainable, equitable, and regulated energy market. Story number three. In a report from Washington Post, the year 2023 marked a new climate era characterized by relentless heat and extreme temperatures. It witnessed numerous records being broken, including the hottest single day and month on record. The global temperatures reached 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels for the first time. This year served as a wake-up call for humanity, highlighting the urgent need to address climate change and its consequences. Will you look at that, Linda? The year 2023 being termed as the start of global boiling by the United Nations Secretary General. We're talking about the hottest day, month, and a string of hottest months on record. It's not just about breaking records, it's the relentless nature of this heat that's concerning. What's your take on this? 
It indeed is, Mark. This relentless heat has been observed across continents, impacting people everywhere, from the Amazon to the Pacific Islands, and even rural Greece. It's not just a record-setting year, it's a year that signals crossing into a new climate era. This is a climate future that we're not prepared for. So, are we talking about irreversible changes here, Linda? Are we past the point of no return? It's difficult to say, Mark. We've crossed the threshold of 2 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels for the first time ever. That's a significant milestone. While we can't reverse some of the changes, we still have a window to limit the worst impacts of climate change if we act now. And how do we go about that, Linda? I mean, it's not like we haven't been trying to limit global warming for years now. That's true, Mark. But it's clear that we need to do much more. We need to drastically cut down our carbon emissions, invest in renewable energy, and work towards sustainable practices. Every individual, business, and government has a role to play in this. Sounds like a monumental task, Linda. But, well, there's no planet B, is there? We gotta do what we gotta do. Story number four. Taiwan is considering joining the International Criminal Court, ICC, in order to deter a potential invasion by China, as reported by The Guardian. Supporters believe that joining the ICC would help strengthen the international legal system and increase Taiwan's global participation. If Taiwan were to join the ICC, it would allow for the investigation and issuance of warrants against Chinese leader Xi Jinping under international law if he were to order acts of war or war crimes against Taiwan. However, legal experts suggest that Taiwanese membership in the ICC alone may not have a strong deterrent effect, but it could introduce another dimension to the geopolitical landscape that China would have to navigate. The proposal to join the ICC was recommended by an independent review of Taiwan's human rights efforts and is currently being discussed at high levels in the Taiwanese government. Tell you what, Linda, Taiwan considering joining the International Criminal Court, that's a pretty bold move, isn't it? It's like they're using the ICC as a shield against potential Chinese aggression. Fascinating how international law is being leveraged in this high-stakes game. It does send out a strong message. By joining the ICC, Taiwan not only highlights the gravity of the situation, but it also emphasizes on the importance of global justice systems. There's an undeniable power in law, even on an international level. Right, it's the idea that might is right isn't the only game in town. And the fact that it's not just about military power, but also about being a part of the global legal system, that's something. But then again, we've seen how the ICC's arrest warrant for Putin didn't exactly make him change his plans about Ukraine. True, Mark. But it's also about what it symbolizes. Taiwan joining the ICC would be an assertion of its sovereignty and its stand against any form of aggression. It's a way to strengthen its diplomatic armor, so to speak. Of course, the effectiveness of this move remains to be seen, but it's definitely an interesting development. Yeah, you're right. It's a clear signal to Beijing and, well, the rest of the world, too. If Xi Jinping does decide to take military action against Taiwan, he might face international legal consequences. It's a sort of check and balance in a way. Exactly. And it's worth noting that this step also pushes the conversation around the universality of the international legal system. If Taiwan can find protection in the ICC, it could potentially inspire other nations facing similar threats. Couldn't agree more, Linda. It's a chess game of international politics, and Taiwan just made an interesting move. Story number five. In a report from the New York Times, Chief Justice John G. Roberts Jr., 
highlights the role of artificial intelligence, AI, in the legal system and the potential risks it poses. He mentions a recent incident involving fake legal citations created by an AI program, emphasizing the need for caution and humility when using AI. While acknowledging the promise of AI in improving access to information and streamlining legal processes, Chief Justice Roberts also expresses concerns about privacy invasion and dehumanization of the law. He discusses the strain that AI puts on the judiciary particularly in criminal cases where AI is used to assess flight risk, recidivism, and other discretionary decisions. Chief Justice Roberts concludes that legal determinations often require human judgment and nuanced understanding, as people still trust humans more than machines to perceive and interpret important cues. He notes that AI will not replace appellate judges, as many decisions involve fact-specific gray areas and open questions about the development of the law. It's fascinating that Chief Justice Roberts is recognizing the potential of AI in the legal system. I mean, think about it, Linda. If AI can earn B's on law school assignments and even pass the bar exam, imagine the kind of access to information and legal services we could offer to people who otherwise couldn't afford it. That's true, Mark. The promise of AI in the legal realm is immense. However, the Chief Justice himself also pointed out the risks. As he said, AI can result in invading privacy interests and dehumanizing the law. As much as I appreciate the advances in technology, I do worry about the implications on the human element of law and justice. Well, I think we must adapt and evolve with technology, Linda. Sure, there are potential risks, but let's not forget the benefits, like streamlining legal filings and saving money. Plus, with AI, we might be able to eliminate human errors and biases. Mark, it's not as simple as that. For instance, the Chief Justice pointed out the human-AI fairness gap. No matter how advanced AI becomes, it'll never be able to fully comprehend the nuances of human behavior and expression. A shaking hand, a quivering voice, a change in inflection. These are all things that a machine can't truly grasp. Ah, but Linda, perhaps we're not giving AI enough credit. With advancements in machine learning and natural language processing... Who's to say that AI won't be able to discern human behaviors and expressions in the future? It's all a learning process. Well, Mark, that's where our fundamental disagreement lies. I believe in the value of human judgment, especially in the legal system. While AI can assist and streamline processes, the final decisions should always be left to human discretion. And I think many people would agree with me on this. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.